right, hello again. Welcome back to Talking Chop. This is the second episode. This is we're recording this just a day after the end of the Tallahassee Super Regional, where Florida State lost the series three to or yeah two to one. So they are now out of the NCAA softball championship tournament, and the season is over. And they finished with fifty-five and ten record. They lost game one of the series to Oklahoma State. Four to it was with us four to one and offense really couldn't get going early. Offense got going early on. It's just they couldn't keep it up late in the game as it did go into extra innings. Oklahoma State was able to take it in the ninth with a late home run. I believe it was from uh, Montgomery, was it either Montgomery or oh uh, wow losing it right here. I believe it was wow I can't find it here. Uh, Michelle, or it was, it was Roushford for Oklahoma State. That was Michelle, or Michelle, Michelle Roushford. Yep, there we go. Thank you, Luke, for helping me. Yeah, and by the way, I am joined today by Luke Fay. And on, in addition to Logan Grutchfeld, Logan has been working with the FSVU for the past semester, and this time around for the NCAA softball tournament in Tallahassee, the past this series, the super regional and the regional beforehand. Logan had been writing for Softball America. So Logan's here as well to join us and give his takes on the softball team as he's been covering them the most for the paper and for Softball America this year. So into game two then, Florida State was able to bounce back and get a win, 4-1. to one. Offense was a bit more prevalent as they did put up 4-1 in one inning, but kind of like tapered off towards the end of the game. Not too much happened in that game other than the four runs in one inning. Later then, game uh, third game, Florida State, once again, offense wasn't there, and they just couldn't get it going. And they tried to make it up at the end of the game with a late home run, but just wasn't enough to get over the hump. Guys, what were your takes on these three games? Well, Gary, I, I just want to start off with saying how terrible were our predictions uh, in, in the softball preview? <laughs> uh, I don't want to. Predicting sweeps. This was supposed to be all peachy keen for Florida State. I, I just said sailing I said there was on be a run to rule. Oklahoma City. Yeah, we yeah there, there was a yeah we had a run rule predicted. I don't even think they they did they even score. Was that for they didn't even the total number of runs that Florida State put up in the three games wasn't even good enough to enact a run rule even if they did allow yeah, zero and, runs and Gary, at one point. Gary, I even said, oh, if Florida State allows a. Uh, you know, three or less runs, they're going to win every game. And yep, and they allowed, was that, three runs in – three or less in each of the three games, and they well, only no, won one. I think the final uh, – I thought the final uh, first game was like four to one. Was it not? It was three to one. Oh, really? First wow. game three to one. First game three to one. Second game four to one Florida State. And okay, then third wow. game three to two Oklahoma State. Well, look so, at that. And that three runs. That, that prediction fell through as well. Um that it was just not the right time for the bats to go cold, Gary. No, no, you can't have bats go cold, especially against a team that doesn't really – Oklahoma State wasn't a team that really was a big offensive and heavy-hitting offensive team like Florida State was coming to this tournament. They were just all about playing solid defense and getting solid outs and not letting up big not letting up big hits like Logan, FSU wants to do. Logan, Logan this, thoughts on that? Yeah, Logan, this was supposed to be a, a sexy series. And then uh, you kind of look at it from the standpoint of Florida State is going to go and defend their title. Uh, what what went wrong? <laughs> um, Just thinking because I was watching them during regionals quite a bit. 
in those regionals, I mean, this offense was like clockwork. Callie Harrod would get a walk or get on base somehow. Sidney Sherrill would drive in the first RBI of the game. And so, I mean, they have this offense, you know, just moving, pumping out runs from the first inning on. And in all these games, they really weren't able to get going out of the gate. So I think that, um, you know, by doing that, I think it might have, in, in effect, kind of demoralized the offense a little bit. Um, you know, they wouldn't have been mentally as comfortable as they would have been during regionals. And um, one thing that Coach Kenny said during the first press conference after that extra inning loss that really stuck out to me was he said, we're not comfortable showing all our cards early. So if you remember mm-hmm. in that game, Sam Shaw was, you know, kind of rotating in, rotating in pitches, rotating out pitches. She didn't throw in the changeup until late in the game. And it really threw the offense for a loop. So I mm-hmm. think, you know, where they would have been able to come out swinging against most teams and, see everything and get comfortable with everything. I think uh, Coach Kenny kind of knew that if you let them do that, they will run all over you. So I think just not letting them settle in um, and get used to what Shao was throwing, what Samunek's throwing, what um, what to expect, I, I really think that one of the big factors in, in uh, yeah, and- the fact that in their early exit. Yeah, and you could see that. Like in the first game, what you were saying, Florida State had the offense going. They were doing pretty well. They were building up steam, getting up into the fourth inning. But then right after the fourth, they didn't record. It felt like they just didn't get a hit throughout. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they didn't get a hit in the last from the fourth inning on. It was the offense like completely disappeared throughout the back half of the game. And it was all because of that changeup, like you said. So yeah, yeah. Tip your cap to coach was it Coach Gajewski, Coach K, I guess, or Coach Kenny over there. And I don't know, there wasn't much that Florida State could do, and they really, and it showed in the press conference too, and they just kind of looked baffled, and they didn't really have an answer. I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and one other thing, now I'm just looking at some some of the stats is during regionals, some of these teams uh, weren't able to get out of an inning when they had two outs against Florida mm-hmm. State. You know, they'd get two quick outs, give up a walk, and then the inning would unravel from there. And I'm looking um, – just looking at these stats, Oklahoma State only gave up uh, two runs with two outs, and it was on that two-run single by Elizabeth Mason mm-hmm. in the second game. So I think they were just a lot more efficient in how they handled their pitch. Yep. You know, they weren't showing everything that they had. And then when they did get into jams, I mean, Shadow was just fantastic at getting out of them. Logan Simunek was doing a fantastic job, too. So they were just, I think, compared to a lot of the teams that Florida State had seen, they were just way more efficient. Gary, was, yeah. this, and what's, was, was this hmm? team more uh, Was this team more hungry, Oklahoma State, than Florida State? Like, Florida State almost acted like, uh, I don't want to say they won the series already, but they weren't really that worried, like playing, uh, playing with their their heads cut off type of thing. That that felt like Oklahoma State, and and uh, the the coach Kenny, uh, he said he said that Florida State has everything to lose, and we had nothing to lose. And I tried to tell my girls that. Yeah, you could see that, like for sure. Oklahoma State had that fire, they had that passion. Not saying Florida State wasn't amped up and wasn't there to play, but Oklahoma State said. We'll match you with that energy, and we're going to crank it up to 11. So they just ha- – they were coming out from the get-go. They were yelling. Their fan- 
their fans showed up well. Credit to them. Credit to the parents for Oklahoma State. They were loud and they made their voices heard with that orange power chant all throughout the weekend. So they really did show up. And back to what Logan said about the pitching for Oklahoma State, they were filling up the strike zone. They only allowed seven walks throughout the whole tournament, throughout the whole weekend, which is, that's just impressive in the first place that Florida State wasn't able to draw walks. They weren't able to get people on. And I believe four of those or three of those walks were credited to Callie Harrod on Florida State, who is the big walk drawer for the team. So just being able to not get free free passes to the bag just really killed this team. And obviously that's something they might have to take a look at for next season. So, but also going into pitching, what else, did anything else surprise you about Samantha Shaw for either of you two or did we, have we already spoken to what all that really is, Samantha Shaw? She just confused Florida State batters for probably the first time all year. Florida State had dominated almost every single pitcher except for I think Kelly Barnhill when uh, Florida came into Tallahassee. And Gary, Florida State only had, I believe, two losses. It was either two or three all year at home. Um, we said on the, on the on the preview, and they were mm-hmm. just handed the same amount in a span of three days. It, it, I think it was just facing um, a type of pitcher that they uh, they couldn't get underneath their skin. Um, it, the Oklahoma State coach had mentioned how great Florida State was at getting off uh, getting off runs in the early innings to kind of bring down the opponent, and really mm-hmm. they didn't get off to any fast starts. Game two a little bit, but they. Uh, I believe they, they scored four runs in the third inning and didn't get a hit the rest of the game. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Florida's – yeah, yeah they – was, uh, was that, Logan? Yeah, she was definitely – so I kept track in that from the first game to the second game, um, she retired 27 straight batters. I mean, for a while, she was just unsolvable. Um, the other thing I want to bring up with her is I do um, – so Florida State in the regional played USF. Mm-hmm. USF is a girl named Georgina Corrick, and she was really good, but she has a lot of different pitches. And I think what happened there was Florida State, we've got a very, it's a very smart offense that they have. So they were able to look at what she was dealing and they struggled against her in the early innings, but just came out and jumped all over her in the third or fourth inning of that game. Mm-hmm. And I think with Shao, and again, I talked about this, just rotating pitches in and out, um, especially with the changeup, she was tricking the team with it, especially in the first and second games. And then the third game dropped it completely. Yep. So I think when you have a pitcher that you can't effectively game plan against, um, you know, just all comfortability goes out the way. Yeah, like I think they said in the post game, I believe, I believe it was game two or three, they said they only threw the changeup once in the entire game. So just going from mm-hmm. – loading it up in the back half of game one and then to completely dropping it off your uh, and just letting it go completely just throws the pitchers the batters off a lot because they would probably go into that pass and think okay look when you get down in counts look for change up whatever some along those lines and then it's just not there and then they get a rise ball or a drop ball and they just kind of get stunned and they kind of it's like getting punched in the mouth they just weren't expecting it gary what I, what i thought was crazy was um kind of in that press conference, uh, you could feel that um, what type of presence Samantha Shaw um, exuded to her team. And uh, I, the coach even said it was a polarizing figure. 
I'm looking up. Uh, she actually started her career over at Texas A&M and then ended up transferring yep. to Oklahoma State. And uh, from from that press conference, you could kind of tell that um, she, at the very beginning, she kind of rubbed uh, rubbed rubbed heads with uh, her teammates. And just to see uh, see like um, I, I think it was Maddie Sue was saying that her teammates really just didn't understand her um, like that fire that she had. And it, it looks like mm-hmm. um, she she might have been this turning point for this Oklahoma State team that hadn't made the uh, college world se- or the women's college world series since uh, 2011. Yeah, and you could see that like just in the way in the way she handled herself in the press conference, she was just confident the whole time. Very alpha. And it was yes, exactly. And she and you could just tell that coming off her and so like you could see how that could be a polarizing kind of figure in the locker room, especially when she had came had come from Texas A and M and just comes there for a year and they're like, Who the heck is this person trying to come in here and tell me what to do? Like she, she hasn't been here for however long Maddie Sue or someone else has been here for. So like, yeah, I could see how a player would come in and they're just trying to take over. And now she's got the respect of her team This and they can do anything. It felt like, cause you heard what coach Kenny said for Oklahoma state. He's like, they all love each other. Like they're one big happy family now, pretty much. So they said, I want these, uh, I want these girls um, to be in your wedding. You know, that, yeah, that type exactly. of and I never, I never thought about mm-hmm. that, but like that—that's kind of the mentality you need to have with the team. We were close enough to where um, you aren't really a good team if you can't hang out outside of, you know, outside of softball or, or whatnot. It's, yeah. it's, it's more than softball. Uh, and really, shoot, uh, they're they're a hot team. They they beat Florida State arguably is the best team in the country, and they mm-hmm. knocked them off and kind of felt handedly. Yeah, it yeah. Other than the one game where FSU just had that one spark of offense in the third inning, they Oklahoma. You would say Oklahoma State dominated from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. I got a good I got a good stat here for you, Logan. Mm-hmm. Um, Callie Harrod, Carson Gordon, and Sydney Sherrill went two for twenty six uh, with two singles, two RBIs, five walks, and eight strikeouts. You've got to be that kidding is, me. That, that is not good. How many strikeouts do you say, Luke? Eight. So eight over three that games. Is... O- o- Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State dominated the heart of of uh, Florida State's offense, and that's really well, not just the, that's where it was. Not just the heart, the top of the order, the part that is the run production, the main run producers for the team, the ones that get innings started, especially that first inning, the crucial first inning that Florida State usually dominates. They just you like you said. They were they were pretty much rendered ineffective the whole weekend. Oh yeah, think about the the only Florida State batter that I can remember her having much trouble against is Anna Shelnut. Mm-hmm. She had that last RBI in the first game, and she had that home run in the seventh inning of the last um, the last game of the of the last game. And she, I, I think she got on base a few other times, mm-hmm. but I mean, outside of her, it, it was she was definitely having her way with that offense. And I know I've been tooting Sam Shaw's horn here, but I have got to take for you guys. I think that she has the potential to be for Oklahoma state. What Megan King has been for Florida state. She's a competitor. Um, we've seen a lot of Megan King's teammates say she's a competitor for everything, whether it's, you know, some silly game in practice or if it's, you know, game three of the women's college world series, she's going to go and give it her hardest and make everybody else give it their hardest. And I think from what we heard from Maddie Sue and even from 
Sam Chow herself, she, I think she can be one of those presences that can help Oklahoma State go far in Gary, this Gary, I want to talk mm-hmm. about yeah. – I, I want to talk about Sydney Sherrill and her errors. You you talked about that's what wins the games. What, I, I, I just – I never I, – some of those plays were Little League-esque. I, I'm at a loss. Yeah, I mean – yeah, little, I mean, Little League-esque is a good way to put it, especially in the most in the third game. Like we talked about in the last episode, we talked about how it was mainly aimed towards the baseball team and their inconsistencies yeah. and how the error call and the last call on the scoreboard is sometimes the most important. And it really was in this last game against Oklahoma State. The Seminoles had four errors, two of which came on one play, where it was a ground ball. It was a chopper, kind of short ground ball on the third base side. Cheryl picked it up threw it to first to try and get the runner overthrows uh, was that that was Dan knows um, or Callie Harrod at short Callie Harrod at short ball rolls into the outfield Danny Morgan throws it back into uh, throws it back into Leslie Ferris at second runner gets caught in a rundown at that point and there's a runner at third as well runner ends up getting in the rundown ends up going back to first safe runner at third heads for home And then Carson Gordon makes a bad throw going to home. So it felt like just a comedy. I think I turned to you after that happened. It's just, that is just a comedy of errors. I think I I remember, Gary, I think if I remember correctly, it was Sidney Sherrill over at third who made the bad throw over the second baseman. Yes, that was, it was a, it was was an overthrow. (laughs) And she thought something happened to where she thought I'm going to go and try to turn two. And it, it really wasn't worth it. You know, there was no reason to. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and either, she went to go do it, and just absolutely, it it just it turned into one of those comedy of errors, and you kind of look mm-hmm. back on it and say that was that was kind of something that just sucked the life out of the uh, Florida State softball team. Yeah, like and then and um, go on, Logan. I think there was one um, other play. It wasn't necessarily an error, but I remember watching it. So. I, I'm trying to – who was at second base at that point? Was it Leslie Ferris? Yeah, Leslie Ferris Which was game? on second. Oh, yeah, right. when she had the ball and the runners kind of caught in between, I know it's, it's an you know unbelievably difficult situation when you're there to try and figure out, especially when you've got two runners trying to go two different ways. But I remember thinking she is holding on to the ball for so long. You know, um, they, they kind of seemed at that point – Mm-hmm. you know, that they didn't want to make a mistake rather than, you know, decisively go for an out. Well, in the, and I mean, in those rundown situations, it's not in, from what I've learned in my past, it's not the, fir- it's not the person who holds the ball that decides when the ball goes. It's the person who's on the receiving end. They, they, they would generally call for the ball, but also it's the mm-hmm. person who's holding the ball. So it would be Leslie Ferris in this instance who would have to keep the corner of her eye kind of locked in on the runner at third to check in if to check if she would head break for home. So she pump faked early, getting the runner to jump back a bit to third. But then the runner kind of like continued to inch forward and kind of like keep even with Ferris, kind of ca- trying to call her bluff. And then once she realized mm-hmm. she was committed to the runner at first, she broke for it and she's like, okay. And then that's when Carson Gordon called just before the runner broke. That's when Gordon called for the ball and had to immediately try and whip it home. So it is yeah. a difficult play. And it's like, it's a very, it's, it's something that it is, you can practice, but even once you get to the real game, it's still just, it's more, it's 10 times more difficult than anything you're going to do in practice. So 
That is true. Yeah, so those were some of the errors. There's a couple more. There's another by Sydney Sherrill. I think it was game two on a double play. She had gotten her yeah, hand on top of the ball, and she spiked it into the ground. Am I right, or did she airmail it to first? Like, yeah, she spiked it. Like, yeah. it bounced, like, halfway between first and second. Yeah, she and, did. Um, she had a rough yeah, time. Yeah, so, I mean, it was just like a yeah. – and I think and offensively too, like you had mentioned. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think it uh, most of it came at the third base side because what I found very interesting was they would at the very beginning have her at second and then move her over to the third. And I don't know, uh, I assume that's been happening most of the year, but for yeah, some reason that that change that change kind of uh, didn't really work out uh, defensively. She it just looked like she was trying to do. She she was trying to make up for other people's mistakes within the game, and and like it, mm-hmm. like, uh, just take it for what it is. All right, the person took the extra base, no reason um, to make it more than than what actually happened. Um, and I don't know it it it's pretty. It, it was just kind of frustrating looking and seeing these things that are are unteachable. You know, that's something yeah. you have to have. Well, yeah, sometimes you have those situations like that rundown where the coach just says, hold on to the ball and try and run the runners back to the bag and have everyone safe and then calm down from there. Yeah. So you would have wished – you could have hoped that happened, but then again, there's a chance that you get that double play or you get at least the runner back to first and you possibly get that out at home. Yeah, so and, and Gary – can go either way and it's a – Speaking yeah. of going either way, like like you were saying – I mean, Carson, it was Carson Gordon, correct, to hit that shot um, that, that was snagged uh, in the fifth inning, that line drive. Yeah. If that ball was hit, yes. yeah. that ball was on fire. If it's hit anywhere else, it hits off the top of the glove. Uh, we're talking a different story. Florida State probably scores two runs right there. Um, and then the whole mood is different. Um, sometimes things don't go your way, but I think Lonnie Almeida said, you know, we just didn't have it. And it kind of felt like that. Yeah. It just – Sometimes you don't have it, and and they tried it. They tried their best. It just uh, it didn't come out, and you kind of it felt really bad at that press conference when you know uh, the the players could tell that they really lost the game. They it wasn't like one little thing went. It was a it, it was just a whole series of things that usually this Florida State team can overcome, but sometimes mm-hmm. dude, your 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 luck runs out. Yeah, I mean. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, you'd rather be lucky than good, but damn, is it good to be lucky? <laughs> <laughs> and I think um, just watching that hit too, I remember feeling just so bad for her when it happened because I'm just looking back at the stats. She's either 0 for nine or 0 for ten during the series. She had that bases loaded walk in the in the second game. But just besides that, she didn't really seem like she could get much going at the plate. You remember the first game when she struck out? She looked very like visibly unhappy Mm. with the strike zone. Um, And I know that was a continuing theme throughout the series, but you know, I definitely think that if she had gotten that hit, I definitely would have changed the mood of the game, but I think it definitely would have, um, you know, been kind of a redemption of her and her performance throughout the series. Yeah. And then, so moving on from the offensive woes and kind of the defensive that the defensive error side of things, let's talk about Megan King, Megan King, who would he mention? We talked about Shao already on the, in the circle. King had, let's put it, a roller coaster of a series, kind of. She went eight innings in the first game, which went was a nine-inning ball game. She went through, or seven in the next, 
and then a three in the third game. So I don't know. What were you guys' thoughts on her and how she played? Because she did – she was kind of – she wasn't the same pitcher we had seen all season from her because before the season, she was a dominant factor and she was there every game. She was that rock that you could lean on and know that she could get you through innings and then be consistent. Like, what were your thoughts on that? Logan, Luke? Yeah, either. Oh, I'm there. I was yeah, waiting for Logan yeah. to go first. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I was saying, yeah. <laughs> Logan, you, you can take the floor. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Um, I, All you, bud. <laughs> okay. No worries. To be honest with you, I think definitely it was a, a roller coaster for King. But, you know, when it looks – when you look around at the, the performance of the team, I'm willing to say that, you know, I, I, I still think she definitely played one one heck of a series. Um. I mean, mm-hmm. she, you know, the first game, giving up a home run in extra innings. I mean, you've gone nine innings. And then let me check again here um, her stats from the from the second game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she – Here, I can read them off. She went, she went seven innings, gave up four hits, one run. Nowhere one, – that one run, which wasn't, which wasn't earned, uh, base on ball – no base on balls, mm-hmm. nine strikeouts, over, over 84 pitches. Oh, yeah. And um, I mean, I think she was a strikeout machine during the entire series, which Mm -hmm. which she was um, again, which she was during the rest of the season. And I think obviously frustrating uh, the home run to factor probably didn't help, especially later on in the inning. But with the just amount of errors that were made behind her, um, it was a tough send off for her. I know we watched that press conference. She was very emotional after game three. But I think that she definitely left you all out on the field for Florida State. Gary, I yeah, I have and- to say this: if if I had told you before the series started that if Megan King was going to allow three or runs le- uh, uh, three or less runs each game that she pitched in, and Florida State was going to lose the series, I don't think anyone would have believed that. And that's no, I it's not really on her. That. I don't really think this is on her. Throughout the season, if she ever the thing is she pitched so well throughout the season, not allowing very many runs. But if it, sometimes you got to get picked up by your offense, I, this this is one of the highest scoring offenses in the country, and they they don't come out and get the back of one of the best pitchers in the country. So for her, it is I'd say a little the bit, best pitcher in the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For her, it's a little bit disappointing, but not. I mean, not really anything to be mad at her about. Like we said. Your top uh, at the top of the lineup, they're going two for twenty six, or whatnot. So, yeah. come on. I mean, she she pitched as lights out as not not as well as you could have said, but she didn't really go bad. It was just uh, yeah, at maybe maybe a little bit of carryover from that game uh, against South Carolina, maybe. For sure. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Was, obviously, she pitched her heart out. She gave it, left it all in the field, like you guys said. And the offense just couldn't get the job done on the back half. Mm-hmm. But then, moving on. Yeah. Can, one last thing I want to say about pitching is just looking at the relief that Catherine Sandercock had in the series. Um, I saw Mackenzie Herzog pitch a little bit during regionals as well. Um, this Florida State program is definitely in good hands going forward. Obviously, it's not fun to lose King, but just um, especially with Sandercock, the way that she came in in relief of King um, and was able to, you know, put a lid on an inning. Um, I think that 
they're definitely going to be well served by those two and by Carabell Adele going forward. I agree. Yeah. Sandra Cox. I was surprised though that Herzog didn't get an appearance. I, we didn't really get an answer on that in the press conferences either because it was just Sandra Cox and relief. Um, then there was only two games that they did need relief and Sandra Cox only pitched, I believe it was five innings in relief. So yeah, there wasn't too much of an opportunity as King started all three games. It, it was eggs all in one basket, Gary. And I think that mm-hmm. Almeida is fine losing the way she lost because it wasn't really from a, a standpoint of starting pitching. It was, it was the bats and, uh, yeah, bats go cold. You can't do anything about it. Exactly. So, yeah. Speaking of disappointing in terms of the bats, who would you guys? Who would you guys say was probably your most disappointing player of the regional, whether it be Florida State, Oklahoma State, or yeah. just the general idea? I, I I'd have to say, Luke? um, it's for me. You know, probably going to be the one of the the best softball players that Florida State will ever have is going to be Sydney Sherrill eventually one day. I, mm-hmm. I I do think it, uh, but she just she had a very poor regional, uh, super regional. Very poor, and that was that was offensively. I believe she only had one hit. Uh, Gary, correct me if I'm wrong. Yep, one for nine with one RBI. Yeah, one RBI, which was a sack fly. Um, and then the other uh, the other problem was defensively, uh, she was liability with, with those two errors that caused mm-hmm. runs. And you look mm-hmm. at that as a whole and go, "This is this is your best player," and you barely you barely lost um, the the series. And she didn't really show up, and so I, I kind of think that next year you're you're going to see some some type of mission come out of her, a little bit of fire because the the way she ended her sophomore year um, compared to her freshman year was spectacular, but the way she ended her sophomore mm-hmm. year, um, you could argue uh, that Megan King maybe didn't have her best stuff, but Sydney Sherwood was supposed to carry this team to the Women's College World Series, uh, a homecoming for her um, in Oklahoma. And she fell short. And for me, that, yeah. that would be and the most disappointing thing. Yeah, she fell short. But also, she was – this is her first year as, as a sophomore as being the person to look to as the offensive leader because they did lose some big bats last year. So she kind of was able to kind of stand in the background and do her thing and not be in the forefront the whole time with Jessica Warren there. But this year, she's really had to step up. And she has stepped up throughout the majority of the season. She – as of May 24th here on the stat sheet, she's, she had a 412 average, 60 runs, 75 hits, 18 doubles, 60 RBIs, slugging 70, uh, 0.775. She had a phenomenal season. And there are some things like you can't, you can't teach clutch. So maybe that's something she's got to develop and that can come out. But I think it's just, I think it's just a wet, kind of like a sit here and wait situation with her. But yeah, she did have a disappointing series uh, series altogether. Logan, what were your thoughts? Who do you think? Um, I'd have to say, I mean, obviously not a good series for Sydney Cheryl, but um, just looking at the rest of her performance, especially being at regionals and seeing her play there. Um, and I mean, she's only a sophomore, so I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what she can do next year. The one exactly. person who I had hoped to see more from was Carson Gordon. And mm-hmm. Just especially as a senior, this is your last series, not the way you want to go out. I mean, I believe she went 0 for 9 or 0 for 10. Um, didn't, um, 
you know, she, besides the one walk, just didn't do much. She definitely looked out of it at the plate. So mm-hmm. uh, for her, right. it's, I'd definitely say her. Yeah, no, I can see that one there. Um, for mine, I'm not going to go with the specific person. I'm going to go with the whole idea of their approach throughout the series. They, you could tell at certain times when they needed to just kind of get a hit, get someone on, play the whole get them on, get them over, get them in game. They mm-hmm. were really just trying to swing for the fences. Like I think in game one with Cheryl up to bat in a big situation late in the game, you she had that kind of going. And I know you, and I know she has that. We all know she has that power to get it over, and she can do that. But that maybe isn't the best time to go for that kind of swing. She and I know Coach Almeida said she did, and I mean that's just indicative of her swing and what she was looking to do that whole day. And she was maybe getting under it a bit too much. I don't know if she was trying to draw backspin or do what. But the whole team kind of just looked in that we're going big fly or go home kind of look and. I know Almeida said that's our game and that's what we're going to stick to, but you got to make an adjustment at some point. The team that makes the adjustment is going to end up winning the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what if you guys agree with that or what. I got to agree, and especially for the amount that we heard, uh, not just from Alameda, but from both coaches say you have to make adjustments, especially in the Super Regionals, because when you're playing a team of caliber like Florida State or Oklahoma State, you know, those – little edges you can get make or break can make or break a game and I think that you know she does say it's their game but when you're in a situation like that I think that um you definitely have to adjust and with all the talk yeah. that there was about adjusting I would have liked to see some Gary did she get out of coach? exactly I mean because it kind of feels think, that way it feels yeah you're right and, it does and, feel that and way if you I saw her, about that yet if you saw her in that press conference, she sat. The first thing she said is, "You got to give it out to you know Kenny and and Oklahoma State and everything." It kind of felt like she was sitting there and was like, "I've got all the talent in the world, and I got out coached by a team that wasn't as good as mine, and I'm gonna have to." Mm-hmm. It, you almost feel like she's gonna go back to this drawing board and see what went wrong because it might be the first game all year where she felt like. Uh, almost just Florida State team was invincible. Almost, you know, that's kind of the yeah. feel of it. And then all of a sudden, the mortality comes and shows you in the face, and it it kind of sucks. You have to. I think Kenny said you you got to fail to uh, to succeed. And uh, Florida State it wasn't used to failure over the last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like drawing from the old Kareem Abdul-Jabbar quote, uh, I believe it's to learn before you can win, you got to learn how to lose. And, I mean, OK State learned how to lose. They learned how to kind of swallow their just, – just eat it at times and then make adjustments and win the ball game. So and they came out on top because of it. Mm-hmm. And then okay. – All right. Yes, sir. I know, um, if I was going to go with the, you know, most valuable player um, mm-hmm. for Oklahoma State, I know that I've talked about her quite a bit. Um, Sam Chow. I mean, pitch yep. two – fantastic games in the first two um, came out in the third game and I mean, wasn't able to finish it after giving up that one run. But I think, you know, if there's anybody that kept Oklahoma state in the fight, you know, whenever they were out there, it, it was definitely her. Luke, who you got for MVP? For me, Gary, I would have to say it's, it's gotta be the coach of uh, Oklahoma state. And uh, I think it's Kenny Gillespie or if that's correct. 
We're going to call him. Uh, Kenny. Yeah. It's, but Coach, let's go Kenny. Yeah. 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 Well, Coach Kenny, that he, he just, he, he, he did the perfect, uh, I think he, he talked about the adjustments he made in the third game and um, how mm-hmm. he didn't like how Factor was playing in game two. And uh, he, he was mad that he didn't pull her. And he said he challenged her in game three and she came through. And that's the type of thing that you, if, if you're going to have a championship caliber team, you've got to be able to control uh, control when things go bad. And I think he mm-hmm. saw areas in which the improvement needed to be made and the adjustments and Florida state um, kind of just did the same thing the whole series. And so you got to tip your cap to that guy right there. Yeah, I can see yeah, that. That's a right. good pick. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to go with the person that you just mentioned, actually, I'm going to go with Cheyenne factor. Coach K, Coach Kenny had that talk with her. He said, I need you to look at me right now and tell me if you want to hit or not. Because I don't think you looked – because she didn't look too good the first two games – or two games. I think she went 0 for 7 on Thursday and Friday night. So she really wasn't all that much there. But then game three, she showed up. She went big fly. She did it all. She went 2 for 3 with an RBI, a run, and a home run. And was ultimately the reason why this team won. So I'm going to go with Factor because it really takes something – it really takes a ball player to show up after kind of having your – kind of just being beat around for the past two nights in a row to kind of say, hey, this is my game. I'm going to take control right now. And she did just that, and she showed up. And that's the reason why the Cowgirls are heading to OKC. Totally agree. Great pick there, Gary. Well, that's all for this episode of Talking Chop. Big thanks to Luke Fay and Logan Gretschfeld for stopping by and helping me with this one. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcast, and we'll see you next time.